Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. For as he is risen, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, is the one who rose from the grave. The fact is, no other religion on earth can claim such an event, can they? <coughs> Our Lord is God. In John, it tells us, through Jesus all things were made. Just imagine that once again for a moment. Through Jesus all things were made. And now our, our earth has suffered a couple of cataclysms, hasn't it? No, certainly Eve taking up the apple, giving some to her husband, we're told there were consequences to that action, that there were massive changes that took place upon our planet. The sin of Adam and Eve made it so there were mosquitoes. It, it, it made it so weather patterns altered. It made it so that by the sweat of our brow we now earn our labor rather than it being recreation for us. Now, sure, for, for many of you, perhaps you, you had businesses, you, you had things that, that you like to do, and you can maybe even say, well, for me, Pastor, my life was recreation. But yet, there were days weren't there. There were days when the sun beat down upon your head. There were days when you sunburned the tops of your ears. There, there were days when your tractor was stuck in the mud and you spent, you know, 48 hours even maybe trying to get it back out. There were days when we struggled. No matter how good our life might have been, there were those days, weren't there? It was because of the fall. It was because now, by the sweat of your brow, will you eat your bread. There are changes. And then, of course, came the great flood, and the great worldwide flood completely altered the face of the planet. That, that flood destroyed every living being except for Noah and his family. It altered the geography. It altered everything about this world once again. There were those catastrophes, those changes. And yet, we can still see through the wreckage the wonder, can't we? Through Jesus, all things were made. That's how much he loves us. You know, there's kind of a, a famous game. The, the game is called Minecraft. And maybe some of your, your, your sons or daughters even, but your grandchildren, maybe they have played Minecraft. And in Minecraft, it, it was, at least, made up of blocks. And so, you know, the, the little main character, he had a, a square head. In a way, he had like a, a, a you know, rectangle for his body. 
and he had you know, little squares, and, and he would run around and, and do stuff, you know, and it was kind of a cute game. And even some of the, the schools, I understand, are, are, are using it to kind of, you know, teach uh, students the, the process of, you know, trying to, to go through to make, you know, various items and kind of logical thinking. But, but nevertheless, you know, God could have just made us like Minecraft, right? Then we would all maybe just kind of look the same and we would have kind of square heads and we'd kind of have rectangular bodies and, and you know, we would all just kind of uh, go through our lives. God could have did that, but, you know, he, he didn't. He made us individually, didn't he? He made even ourselves unique from one another. He makes our, our fingerprints even slightly different than everyone else's. You see, God cared enough about each and every one of us that he uniquely made us. There's not another you out there, even though there are billions of people on the planet right now. You can't find one whose cells are just like yours. You can't find one whose fingerprints are just identical. God made you special, didn't he? And the Bible says, through Jesus, all things were made. I mean, God was up there in, this, in his heavens, and he said, hey, I, I, I think there should be a, a Robert Crosswhite on this earth. And Jesus made Robert. And he made Andrew, and he made Scott, and he, he made Mark, he made Linda, he, he made Doug, and he made Kitty. Right? He made Bill and Pat and, and Brad, he made Ronnie and Lori. You're made through the work of Jesus. Hopefully that, that brings a little bit of wonder back into your life again here this morning. Through Jesus, you are made. And Jesus loves you so much. And yeah, we, we, we might think, you know, after coming to, to church you know, every Sunday for 70 years, right? Well, I'll get tired of that message. I've heard it 52 times a year for 70 years, you know? And yet we don't get tired of it, do we? To know that Jesus made you and that Jesus loves you so much that he went through everything he did through that week of Easter, through that Holy Week, and he did it with you in mind. In fact, the Bible tells us that if only one single person came to God, through the work of Jesus, he would have gone through it all anyway. As you know, we have that favorite verse, don't we, from John 3, 16, you know, God so loved the world. 
But you, you and I, sometimes we feel kind of small, don't we? And we might think to ourselves, well, that's really wonderful that God loved the world. That Jesus, our Savior, came to sacrifice himself for billions of people. But to think about it from the other side, that if you were the only one who would be saved, Jesus would have sacrificed himself anyway. See, God loves you that much. God holds you in his heart that greatly. He did it for you as an individual. He did it for you because, yeah, first of all, he made you. Right? Through him, all things were made. But then, second of all, he loved what he had created. He loved you so much that he knew, because of freedom, that there would be struggles. He knew that, that because he gave us the freedom to not love in return, that there was certainly the possibility and, yes, the probability that at times we push him away. And still he loves so much that he gives that option, doesn't he? You know, you, you and I, in the course of our lifetimes, we've been hurt by others that, that pushed us away, haven't we? You know, you, you, you maybe, you know, th think back to your, your first love, perhaps, as a, a young person, and maybe it didn't work out. Maybe that other person, they, they rejected you over time. Maybe that other person, you know, pushed you far away. That other person said, well, you know, you're, you're just not good enough for me. Whatever the case might have been. And you got hurt. And maybe it wasn't even your, your first love. It Maybe it was a, a, a teacher in elementary school. And for some reason that teacher kind of took a grudge against you. And, and that teacher said that you were a slacker. Or back in the day, the, the 50s, right? You slacker. And wow, you, you kind of liked that teacher and respected them, but they, they just, you know, just kind of were mean to you for whatever reason. And it hurt. You, you went to your, your first job and, and your boss maybe made side remarks about you in front of the, the co-workers or maybe for some reason that other co-worker began to have a grudge against you and you never even understood why. But they got together two or three other people and they gave you a nickname. A stack. And a very godly man on, on the board of one of the, the churches that I serve. And everybody called him Stuffy. And I, I, I found out what his you know actual name was, and I, I, I would address him on, on Sunday mornings by you know what, what his real name was. But everybody else in the whole community, they, they called him Stuffy. 
I, I kind of began to ask some of the people behind the scenes, and I was like, well, you know, it, it, it seems like kind of a, a, a you know, di different nickname. Why, why, why is that? Well, when, when he was in the second grade one time, he came to school and he had a stuffy nose. And for some reason, they, they called him Stuffy, and so the nickname had stuck throughout those years. It was a, a vacancy that I was serving, and so you know, I kind of came to the, the end of my vacancy. They had called a, another pastor to come and, and be their, their full-time pastor. And as you know, we were kind of shaking hands at, at the end of my last service there, right? You know, he, he says to me, Pastor, I so much appreciate you calling me by my given name. Now you see, for, for that, that man's life since the, the second grade until, you know, he, he was in his later 60s, everyone in that little town called him by his nickname. And for him to express that, that appreciation to me that I had called him always by his given name, you know what, what, what does that demonstrate? He was longing for people to call him by his real name. Dear friends, Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. Even if other people have, have messed with your name, even if other people have changed your name, even if they're calling you by something that you, you don't really like that well, Jesus knows you. He knows what your name is. He knows how he made you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he stretched out his arms and he died. You know, we, we can maybe argue to ourselves and we can say, well, you know, Jesus, he, he just kind of knew what he had to do, you know. And, and Jesus, you know, he, he just had that, that sense of duty, that, that sense of loyalty, and, and so, you know, going to the cross, well, that, that's just what Jesus does. Right? He's just that kind of guy. And so, Pastor, I, I don't know if I really feel that, that special when you talk about those things, because, you know, it, it's just who Jesus is, you know? He was built that way. Of course, he was going to do it. And of course, he's going to do it for the whole world. And of course, he's going to do it for billions and billions of people, you know. Counting the loss, but looking to the joy that was set before him. Of course. Let's go back a, a little bit in, into Holy Week once again. Kind of remember on, on Thursday night after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he went with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Do, do you kind of remember what took place there? 
You see, Jesus prayed three times that this cup, this crucifixion, would be taken from him. You see, dear friends, Jesus was, you know, just like you and me. He didn't want to die a horrible death upon a cross. He didn't want to face public ridicule. He didn't want people to be cursing him and, and mocking him and spitting on him. He didn't want spikes driven through his hands and feet. He didn't want to hang there in the air until the, the sack around his heart filled with fluid and constricted it and, and made it stop. Three times he prayed. And the Bible says it was as if great drops of blood even were flowing down his face. He was praying so intensely. Oh God, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Lord, if there's any other way the people can be saved, let's do that. Lord, please don't let this happen to me. I'm your son. He prayed those prayers. And then he'd get up from his prayers and he would go back to, to his, his family, you know, his disciples that were supposed to be there to support him, supposed to, to be there to give him an attaboy, you know, supposed to sustain him through his time of trial. And, and what did he find? Time and time again, he found them asleep, right? He just told him he's going to be taken. He's going to be captured. He's going to go through these trials. He's going to go through crucifixion. He's going to die. And, and now, now I'm going to go pray. And I come back and what? Sleeping? Come on, guys. He goes back a second time. He prays the, the same way. He, he comes back again. The disciples sleeping. Once again, hey, you know, remember, I reminded you, right? I'd like you to stay awake and pray with me, but I'm sleeping again. The third time again, Jesus goes back uh, to his prayers. Lord, I don't know if I can go through this. I, I don't want to die by crucifixion. Can't there be some other way? And then Jesus says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus, toward the end of his earthly life, his will was not to be crucified. Right? Nevertheless, not my will, my will, I don't want to be crucified. But your will, Father, your will be done. You see, Jesus faced a battle on that particular night. Would he go to the cross? Would he at the very end somehow fail? Or would he continue to do God's will? 
and because of his great love for each of you, he went to the cross. He overcame his human nature, his, his weakness, if you will. He got up from that last prayer resolved, committed, that he would go through every pain, every humiliation, and he would do it for you, whom he fashioned. You whom he loved so much that he would forgive. You whom he would grant freedom to that you might reject him. And that sometimes we did that, didn't we? You whom he held so close in his heart that he could rise from his hour of grief and he would say, for them, I will do it. For them, I will be mocked and ridiculed. For them, I will hang upon the cross. For them, I will face persecution. I will endure. I will do it because I love them so very much. Uh, dear friends, hopefully once again this morning I've been able to show you just a tiny piece of the great love that God has for each of you. God loves you that much, Lori. He loves you that much, Bonnie. He loves you that much, Pat. He loves you that much, Bill. He loves you so much, Brad. He loves you, Doug. He loves you, Kitty. He loves you, Linda. He holds you in his heart, Mark. He loves you so much, Scott. He loves you so much, Andrew. He loves you, Robert. So very much, all of you, that he went through his death for each of you. Amen. And now by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.